What's going on, Dolphins fans? Kyle Krabs, your host here on Locked on Dolphins. Today is Tuesday, March 15th. The negotiation window for the 2022 free agency cycle is open, and the Dolphins were busy. We're going to talk about the agreed-upon signings plus the extension of defensive end Emmanuel Agba coming in at the 11th hour today on the show. Tap in. Let's get after it. You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, Dolphins fans? Kyle Krabs, your host here on Locked On Dolphins, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, director of scouting at thedraftnetwork.com. Free agency underway, technically underway for the 2022 offseason. The Dolphins having themselves day yesterday and uh, as you noticed for those of you who are perhaps overseas or early risers today's podcast is being recorded on indeed tuesday morning sometimes you get these things ahead of time sometimes you don't want to thank you guys for making locked on dolphins your first miami dolphins listen of the day but in an effort to make sure we are as up to date as possible you're getting some early morning recordings this week just in case anything were to slip through the cracks Now, that's not to say we get Teron Armstead. We're probably going to have an emergency podcast talking about the terms of that contract. But uh, the Dolphins signed Emmanuel Agba yesterday, agreed to terms with several free agencies, uh, free agents, quarterback Teddy Bridgewater, significant addition, wide receiver Cedric Wilson Jr. Maybe not a name everybody was pounding the table for, but I think when we get into the nitty-gritty of why this was a selection, it's a maneuver that I like. Keon Crossan, defensive back slash special teamer. Uh, got some thoughts on that one, especially with the terms of the deal. Chase Edmonds running back from Arizona. And then Mike Gusecki also signed his franchise tender. So a very busy stretch. But I think that there was perhaps a, a perception issue with some Dolphins fans because I couldn't help but get on the timeline last night and this morning and doing my preparation for doing the recording of the show. And there's some lukewarm reactions from Dolphins fans. And, oh, you know, all they talked about was how aggressive they're going to be in free agency and uh, how much money they're going to spend. And they didn't go out and get any A-list free agents yet. Well, I don't think anybody realistically unless Byron Jones was going to get traded. And I think we probably would have seen a little bit more heat on that. Expected the team to go out and get JC Jackson as fun as the idea was. He signed a five-year, $82.5 million, or agreed to terms on a five-year, $82.5 million deal with the Chargers yesterday. Lakin Tomlinson was a name that was widely reported to be on the Dolphins' radar, and rightfully so. But he got like $13.5, $14 million a year. Or a guard. I don't blame the Dolphins for letting the New York Jets acquire Lakin Tomlinson or agree to terms with Lakin Tomlinson, especially when you consider Lakin Tomlinson has been a career left guard and he's signing with the New York Jets to go play presumably right guard because the, the Jets have Elijah Vera Tucker, a rookie from last year, penciled in as their starter at left guard. If the Jets are going to sign, Lakin Tomlinson, and then ask him to play a different position. More power to you. 
especially at that price point. Uh, because we knew and we have known in our assessment of the Dolphins, your biggest areas of need on the offensive line are both of your offensive tackle spots. And everything that we aspired to have this team push play on or pursue is still on the table. Teron Armstead didn't agree to terms to sign anywhere. Lyle Collins didn't get traded anywhere else. The offensive tackle spots are exponentially more important in my eyes than the interior line, because at least you do have Robert Hunt. I do think Michael Dieter, and I know I'm, I'm, this is not a unanimous opinion, but I do think Michael Dieter can be a adequate starting center in this system. You're going to have Liam Eikenberg. You're going to have Austin Jackson. You're going to let those guys as former high top 50 draft choices compete amongst each other for a spot. And I personally would rather have it be at left guard. But the reaction from some Dolphins fans is where was the, where's the substance? You know, a bunch of B-level free agents, which I like that they didn't go crazy. I, I like that the most money that they spent yesterday was in retaining one of their own players in Emmanuel Lott. Four years, $65 million, $32 million in guarantees. The APY of this deal was somewhere around $16.25 million per year for Emmanuel Lott. That's right around the range that I felt was going to be appropriate for him, $15, $16 million. I said the closer it was going to be to 15 the better I was going to feel about it. But as I said on yesterday's show, if you get into the $18, $19 million per year range, you're too rich for my blood. We didn't get there. 16, I think that's a good value for the Dolphins. And I love the fact that both he and for now, Mike Gusecki, were clearly identified as the two best players that you had on your roster who were getting ready to have their contracts expire. What this Dolphins team has done for so long is cultivate talent and then let talent leave. And if you're going to let talent leave, at least get something of substance and value back. They did that with Laramie Tunsil. At least they got a ton of substance, and we're still reaping the benefits of those decisions. So to get Emmanuel Agba back, who has clearly been one of your best players, big win. We know the production. I know Travis Wingfield uh, had all the, the numbers and pass rush productivity and 60 pressures in each of the last two years, and there's only 10 players in the NFL over the last two seasons or more sacks than Emmanuel Agba. And I can tell you this as, as my contribution to the conversation, if Emmanuel Agba has another nine-sack season, which he's had two of through two seasons in Miami, he will close 2022 as one of the 10 all-time highest sack collectors in Dolphins franchise history. Think about that. You just sign a four-year deal. You start to think about what this productivity can look like and project it forward. And you can get pretty excited about what Emmanuel Aqua can potentially do as far as leaving a lasting impact in the stat sheet and on the, the field relative to a lot of great pass rushers that have come through this organization. So I'm really happy for Emmanuel. I do know for a fact uh, he did want to be here. Um, and I think I alluded to that last week. It was probably on Friday with Power to the Pod. One of the questions about, you know, is is the contract dispute an indicator that Emmanuel doesn't want to be here? 
everything, every conversation that I have had indicated to me that this was a spot Emmanuel wanted to be. And he gets that chance and he gets fair market value for him. And I think what's interesting is the defensive end group is an area that you have seen a bit of a log jam, right? We have not seen the Chandler Joneses and the Von Millers start to, to push their way through and get deals just yet. So to get out in front of that, if you're the Dolphins and have effectively the deal that sets the market value for this year's free agent cycle at that group, be proactive if you intend on keeping the player. Don't be reactive. So as my eyes go, that was good process for the Dolphins to ensure that Emmanuel Agba is in our plans. We, we want to have him. We're going to draw this thing all the way out as close as we can to get as good of ideas we possibly need to about what the market actually is. And then let's pay. So they did that. Big box check. Mike Gusecki. There's not a lot to, of substance to get into here. Gusecki um, signed his franchise tender. Uh, so $10.9 million. You know, the Dolphins locked in as of yesterday for Gusecki. Uh, Omar Kelly did make the point, and I think this is a good note for a lot of Dolphins fans. Him signing the tender does not mean he cannot still file a grievance in regards to his classification. So that's not necessarily something that uh, is closed book, but at the very least, you see disgruntled players who get the franchise tag and say, you know what? I'm not playing on the tag. I'm not signing the tender. I'm technically not under contract. You will have my rights as a player versus the rest of the league, but I'm not an active participant on the roster. So to know as soon as possible, because Mike is the first one to sign, uh, that that is not going to be a problem. You might end up having some financial negotiations um, is good peace of mind. Uh, really appreciate knowing that that's not going to be some long drawn out battle or, or it's going to be uh, like pulling teeth. College basketball's tournament is finally upon us from all the latest odds, contests, and player props. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your sports betting needs and info. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season, but it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information needs including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online where the game starts. Plenty of other action yesterday, including Teddy Bridgewater, quarterback, formerly of the Minnesota Vikings. Carolina Panthers, the Denver Broncos, probably missing somebody along the way. But what I know about Teddy is this. Uh, reported floor of the deal is $6.5 million, so more expensive than what the Dolphins paid last year for Jacoby Brissett. But what I thought was interesting is Teddy's contract has playing time incentives up to a $10 million value. That's interesting. Now, I don't think those playing time incentives are meant to encourage a quarterback competition, nor 
do I think Dolphins fans should be those who are very pro Tua should be looking at the Teddy Bridgewater signing as a threatening one. But if I'm Teddy Bridgewater and I look at the Dolphins situation objectively, new coach coming in, and his objective is to install a quarterback-friendly system, wants to build the running game. And the Dolphins' incumbent quarterback is a quarterback who's been embattled with questions as far as his legitimacy and long-term viability as a starting quarterback in the NFL. And this is a player who has missed time for injuries, regardless of how sustainable the model of those injuries being occurred is or is not. Tua Tungvalu has missed starts in each of his first two seasons in the NFL due to injuries. So if I'm Teddy Bridgewater and I'm surveying the market for places that I can go that might provide a larger opportunity. If I get playing time incentives and I'm playing with a young quarterback who struggled with injuries in his first two seasons, I feel pretty reasonable that I'm Law of averages would state I'm probably going to get a chance to play a game or two along the way, if not more. And if I, as a quarterback that was chosen by this coach in his first year to come in and I get that opportunity and I take advantage of that opportunity and I play well, maybe I can parlay it into a starting game. Now, I my expectations for the kind of uh, competition that was going to be in the quarterback room was not as high as Teddy Bridgewater, who started 14 games last year for the Denver Broncos and threw for over 3000 yards. I was expecting like Nick Mullins. So to get Teddy Bridgewater as. The backup quarterback and know full well that if Tua Tungvaloa does get injured for a stretch of the season next year, you have a much better veteran backup than what you had this past year in Jacoby Brissett, you have a quarterback who you feel like reasonably can actually serve as the bridge and win you some football. Now, he's Teddy's not a, a quarterback that's ever going to put the team on his back. He's not a guns, gunslinger. He's very well-renowned for being conservative as a quarterback. But I'm impressed. You know, because the, everything that we've heard is we are trying to instill confidence into a tongue of And my, me reading that situation was going to say, oh, they're, they're not going to go get an accomplished starting quarterback to serve as the backup here. They're going to want a low competition vet who's probably familiar with the system. But good. I want competition in the quarterback room. And I want the cream to rise to the crop. And I want somebody who is going to push to it. Now there's a right and a wrong way to have that working relationship. And I think the way the dynamics of the previous veteran that was in the room with Tua was unsustainable. When you're talking about Ryan Fitzpatrick, where Fitz was the starter, they made a controversial change, and then they kept going back and forth. And it was like, this is never going to work. This is not a sustainable model. But Teddy is the new guy. Right. And everybody knows what Teddy's here for is a one year deal for six and a half million dollars. Teddy can make the decision to come to Miami versus the competition in hopes of 
catching lightning in a bottle, but everybody knows who's here, whose job this is. Um, but I feel great about the backup quarterback spot. Surpri- a little surprised is the financials are what they are. Sure. But I, I like that they went out and got an accomplished player to fill that role. I also like the Chase Edmonds and Cedric Wilson Jr. signings. These aren't sexy signings. Uh, I will say Chase Edmonds has some very sexy tape. Uh, he's got really high-level flashes as far as what he is um, capable of doing on the field. He's a dynamic player. He's got really hard cuts. Uh, ability to get into the second level and have su- very sudden acceleration. Uh, he's got over 1,750 yards from scrimmage over the last two seasons as the RB2 behind both Kenyon Drake and behind uh, James Conner for the last two years in Arizona. Productive player. And I think if this is going to be a part of your running back stable, this is a good ad. Now, just like with Teddy, your financials were a little surprising. Two years over $12 million with $6.1 million in guarantees. That tells me uh, they, they envision a pretty prominent role for Chase Edmonds. Uh, I would imagine you'll probably still get a back in the draft, uh, but I don't, or, or you'll get a super cheap bet like a Duke Johnson or a. Um, Raheem Moster, if they want to go down that path. And then maybe they they get a, a late round bulldozer. But Edmonds getting paid what he got paid says, hey, expect Chase Edmonds to get 150 to 200 carries this year. And when you consider the zone rushing scheme that we're anticipating the Dolphins implementing, I don't think that's a bad thing. Now, having depth in that room is very important. And that's the challenge Miami will now be faced with. Okay, like I still think you probably need to draft a third or fourth round back. If you really want to get weird, go ahead and draft Isaiah Spiller from Texas A&M. But that's probably going to cost you 50 at a minimum. And I don't think they're going to do that. But you can get you can get productive backs in the third and fourth round in this year's class. So uh the financials tell me more than anything. This this is our preferred avenue for fulfilling a large share of the backfield. And I do think schematically and, and style of play-wise, Chase Edmonds makes a lot of sense. Cedric Wilson, it's a three-year contract, just over $22 million. Uh, it is, for in, all intents and purposes, a two-year contract based on the guaranteed money distribution. Uh, there's less than a million dollars in guarantees and, and prorated out signing bonus uh, for that third year in 2024. The Dolphins could technically cut Cedric Wilson after two seasons and owe less than a million dollars in dead cap against the salary cap that year. Uh, but Cedric Wilson's a really good player. And, and this is how you know it's a, it's a solid signing. And we do have to talk about the financial implications. But um, Joe Marino host of Locked On Bills, co-host of Draft Dudes with me, works with me at the Draft Network, one of my best friends. Um, He has been looking for depth at wide receiver, and he's kind of had his eye on Cedric Wilson. 
And when the Dolphins signed, he texted me. He's like, you got a good player. Uh, I know he'd done some, some film work and, and looking at Cedric Wilson in preparation for this offseason. Wilson's been opportunistic. He's out of Boise State, 6'2", about 200 pounds. Not going to blow you away with his athletic traits, but he's a, a pretty solid athlete and, and can create and make some stuff happen uh, with the ball in his hands. And I think you think about some of that rack opportunity and you think about what the San Francisco 49ers wide receiver rooms have looked like with a lot of guys who can win with complementary skill sets. And there's a lot of depth, a lot of interchangeability. And I think Cedric Wilson accomplishes some of that. The big question for him, and he had a great game, is his last game of the season was, if you want to know what Cedric Wilson is capable of, go watch the, the Dallas Cowboys regular season finale. Um, but the financials, everybody, hello, $7 million, it's kind of rich, right? And yes, it is. But you got to foil that against a lot of the scarcity that exists in the wide receivers in free agency at this point. All the good guys got the tag. Godwin got the tag. Devontae Adams got the tag. Like Christian Kirk and Allen Robinson were your top two. And Christian Kirk got up to $21 million per season from Jacksonville yesterday. So if that's the market, if Christian Kirk, who's never had 1,000 yards in his career, I think his career high in touchdowns is six in a season. If he's getting $21 million per because of the scarcity of the room, Cedric Wilson for seven to guarantee you're adding a productive piece to your wide receiver room so that you're not like, oh, well, we got to trade for somebody or, oh, we got to dramat dramatically overpay is a good move versus what is available to you. Now, I still think you're probably going to have to draft a receiver and probably early first, second, or third round at worst. But you do that, and you put that player into the mix with Cedric Wilson and Jalen Waddell and Limbo and Jr. coming back, and I'm anticipating Matt Collins will be back. Like, did I mention Devontae Parker? You could suddenly, there's a potential for a little bit of depth here. And Cedric Wilson Jr., I would just say this. He's better than Isaiah Ford, who played last year for a stretch of time. He's better than Preston Williams, who played marginally last year. He's better than Albert Wilson as a receiver. It's a good ad. And financially, yes, it's an overpay. But anybody you sign right now in free agency is going to be an overpay. That's just the way it works. RockAuto.com is a family business who's been providing auto parts customers with high-quality service online for the last 20 years. So whether you're shopping for engine control modules, brake parts, taillights, motor oil, or even new carpet for your classic or daily driver, rockauto.com has everything you need in one easy-to-navigate catalog, and in just a few clicks, you can get everything delivered directly to your front door. Best of all, price is the same at rockauto.com for both professionals and do-it-yourselfers, so why would you shop anywhere else and spend up to twice as much for the same parts? So visit rockauto.com for all your auto parts needs and write locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Keon Crossan is the last name we need to touch on briefly. He got three years, $10.5 million was the terms that I had seen. I am all for upgrades to the special teams unit. 
I need to make that abundantly clear. Depth in the defensive backfield and guys who are aces on special teams, give them to me. Now, am I a little surprised that he got three and a half million per when you still have Clayton Feslam on the roster and you still have Seathan Carter on the roster? Yes. So Miami, like this is the next step for Miami is it's like, okay, like that's an ambitiously high dollar amount for a primarily special teams player. But I don't have a problem with paying a few designated special teamers. But that means you now have to trim the fat. You got to get rid of some of these other guys. And I would expect with the addition of Keon Crossan, Clayton Fejdalum, Seathan Carter, both of them, let's open up some additional spending power so that we have the ability to really stack and add talent to this roster as we wait on the big domino to drop, which is Teron Armstead, if we're being honest. We'll see what the day brings. It's going to be a crazy one. Kyle Krabs, Locked on Dolphins. Really hope you guys enjoyed the show. Really enjoyed digging into the dynamics of the free agent group that uh, the Dolphins have started to formulate. If you're expecting big splashes, don't panic. It's not what you did and didn't do in a vacuum. It's what you did and didn't do versus what players are coming off the board. And as we said earlier, all of the big hitters in our perceived areas of need, aside of Lake and Tomlinson for the Dolphins, are still in play. So plan accordingly and keep your eyes peeled to the timeline. Kyle Krabs, fins up. Keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins.